Looking for your next holiday? Maybe a long weekend with your mates? Or really need to get to the next game? Then it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire and more. Plus, because they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com.au forward slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if? It's Aussie for travel. Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Grant Chapel, Steve Maven, Darren Brown. <laughs> Chaps is red hot here, so I've, my phone was running hot there for a while. But Could you catch him? Well, only if I got a bit of a start. <laughs> it's great for rugby league, but more importantly, it's great for the mighty Rabbitohs. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio. My name is Grant Chapel, joined by two former Rabbitohs, Darren Brown, Steve Maven. What's going on, boys? Hello, chaps. Hello, Brownie. Yeah, good day, boys. How are we? Good. Oh, fantastic. That's a way. It's uh, another great weekend. It's all set up by another great performance by the Mighty Rabbitohs last night. Yes, and we're doing this show via Zoom. We're still in lockdown, a heavier stage of lockdown now. So stay safe out there, everyone. And we're trying to bring you the best quality audio we can. And... The bonus of this is that you'll be able to watch this on our YouTube channel. During the week, our coasters arrived. There they are. You can't see them if you're listening, but we're showing them on screen now. They're, they're very great quality. Thanks to Jeff from Pubs and Clubs. Jeff. Jeff from Pubs and Clubs. And we're doing a little competition on our Rabbitohs Radio Podcast listeners group, like we did in game one. All you need to do is pick the first try scorer, the winner and the margin, whether it's 1 to 12 or 13 plus, and the man of the match, and you will win... Two of these valued at $20. So we're selling them two for ten, two for $20, $10 each. On our website, we'll provide a link in the episode webpage. So help us out. Support the Rabbitohs Radio podcast. And they look great. They're, I had a beer out of one last night and they're good quality. So that's that. And on, on the, on the uh, little stubby coolers there, Mavo, I just noticed it's got all the icons there where you can find Rabbitohs Radio podcast. That's right. So we're about Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and more importantly, down the bottom there, YouTube. And we want you to subscribe so we can get 1,000 subscribers so we can go live and do this live and you can interact with us as we're doing it. That's the whole goal of that. Also That's during the week. opportunity for the listeners, mate. Great opportunity for the listeners to interact and be part of the show going forward. Um, that's the... That's the sort of thing that technology can bring to us at this stage, especially during these lockdowns. And we've been we've got a big show, chaps. What's on the show? Yeah, mate, we're going to recap that win over the Cowboys last night where we had five out and come up with a five-star performance there. We speak to media star, Australian icon, one of the real greats of Australian television, Andrew Denton. More importantly, he's a Mad South fan. He's, he's got some great things to um, unearth on the show this week. Our Remembering a Rabbitoh this week is former coach, former player, Graham Murray. Looking forward to that one. And we preview that game next week against the Bulldogs, 6.15, Sunday, the 18th of July. Boys are at Stadium Australia at this stage. Might be up there, Hunter. We don't know. Just talk about the game going into a complete bubble uh, regionally. We'll, we'll, We'll bring that up later anyway, boys. 
That's a big and show. Let's go. So we had a big win last night, boys. 46 to 18. We put the cows away, but it wasn't a good start. We were down 12-2 and we were thinking, hello, all our stars are out. We might be in trouble here, but not for long. I thought, I thought we started well. We, uh, we started really well. We built a lot of pressure. We, we sort of, we pushed a lot to the right-hand side. Didn't almost come up with a couple of half chances. And it was a mistake by Braden Burns coming out of her own end. Um, they got them back into the contest and they just finished up scoring one of the tries of the year, that second one. Mm. Um, yeah. but, but other than that, I, I thought we dominated the contest um, for what, 70, 70 minutes, pretty much, boys. And it was, it was quite a good effort to come back from, from 12-2 downs, considering how many players we had out, Brownie. Yeah, like you, Chaps, I thought we started exceptionally well. Uh, similar to last week, we played with a lot of energy early on. And we got, our line speed was unbelievable, second to none, really. And uh, our contact was solid. Um, they, like you said, uh, uh, they scored off the back of one of our errors and then they went back to back with a, a bustling run from James Tomalolo, uh, where a couple of our boys missed him and he just ran straight through us. I know, I know it at that time. Thanks. Yeah, and they went down the other end and scored two tries, uh, and all of a sudden we're 12 2 down. But look, credit to our blokes, uh, we didn't panic. Uh, we got down the other end of the field, and um, once we, you know, once we put our our strike plays on, um, we're, we're nearly a hundred percent strike rate when we we go to our, our edges. And um, you know, I thought it was all set up from our forwards. With they laid a great platform. Harme Sello, what what a performance! He was, but he's come from nowhere. He's a great story, mate. Harme Sello. He's come from nowhere. No one wanted him two years ago, as Wayne said in the press conference last night, post-match press conference. Um, he came in on a trail, a train and trial deal. He won himself a, a spot in the thirty men's squad last year, and he's been injury plagued. But it's good to see him get some game time out there, mate. It's a great story. The ham salad, we jokingly call him, but that's incredible. His rise from a fringe first grader into a starting. Big member of this pack, and he's not going anywhere soon. I don't think they'll be dropping him back to the bench on the performances he's been giving us lately. But really, the last night, two words I've got for you guys. Cody Walker. What a player. <laughs> Three tries, yeah. five line break assists, and just his work on both sides. doesn't matter if it's the left or the right. If Cody's there, we're a chance of scoring tries. And, yeah, I, I, I was very impressed by him. Congratulations. What's, uh, what is? Yeah. Yeah, what is, uh, got to go to Blake Taff. If you want to say something on Cody first, but we'll move into Blake Taff then. Yeah, look, uh, just uh, on Cody, what New South Wales loss is, is our gain, basically. It goes for both the six and seven. And I know you touched on Cody Walker and what a game he had. Every time he touched the ball, uh, we look like scoring. And uh, But once again, uh, you know, you, you can't leave out our little number seven uh, who orchestrates, you know, them uh, strike plays and our shape plays down our left and right. And, um, like you said, Mavo, our six and seven were instrumental last night. Uh, but a couple of young rookies, uh, chaps, also uh, had a good performance. Yeah, well, I suppose when the teams were named during the week, I, I thought you know, it's a bit strange having Benji start at nine when we've already sort of blooded Peter Van uh earlier in the year. So 
to have him start was a great confidence boost for the kid. I thought defensively, he's up for the challenge. There's not much of him, but he, he, he's got a heart as big as Farlap. Some nice little incisive darting runs out of dummy half. Probably needs to, I think, um, the son of number nine, um, Corey Bampton said, probably needs to work on his delivery a little bit quicker, maybe out of dummy half, probably if there was any criticism. But I thought he, he did this great run out of dummy half about the 43-minute mark, copped a head, a high shot. He was just starting to really get into his game there. Mm. Got an opportunity to come back on late. But, and also, Blake Taff, um, oh, we know how tough he is and, and how skillful he is and, and speedy. But I think positionally, I, I'd almost, I almost say he might be better positionally than uh, Latrell Mitchell at the back there. He, he was outstanding last night. There was a sliding catch he did in the first half in that hot, heavy rain. He had to go over to his right slide. It just all looked perfect. Um, he's only going to be better for the run, boys. Yeah, just on uh, Taffy, like you said, Chaps, there's probably only one blemish that he had was when he did drop that ball and, and they scored off the back of it. But apart from that, his energy was great. You know, he, he scored a try and popped up on the field. And even early on in the game, where we went down our right edge, he, he was involved, had the confidence to play, you know, a, a couple of tip-on passes. But... Back to Peter Mamazoulis. Um, there was two tries that we scored off the back of restarts, uh, six again restarts, and Mamazoulis took off from dummy half. He noticed the markers weren't square, and we got two restarts, and we scored off the back of them. So well done to Pete. He didn't look out of place one bit. No, well, and, and our, um, a future star there, Talis Duncan, alerted us about Peter, how smart he is, how he reads the game. He's never played with anyone like him, and that's why. Yeah. He moved through the grades so quick, won captaincy in all the grades he's been in. So, yeah, the future the future looks bright there, boys, no doubt about it. But getting, what about Cody Walker? That, that double tip-on pass at the back end of the game for Tane Milne. Uh, look, Rabbitohs TV next week, I think that's going to be a, a talking point, boys. I might raise it then. Um, where, where does he sit in, in the 5 eights that have played for this club? We'll leave it till then, Rabbitohs TV next week. It should be out Thursday, Friday, boys. But, yeah, wow, what a game. Yeah, it's, he was sensational, and like I said, he he might have had a point to prove, but he's just a he's just a footballer, and that, some of those balls straight out to AJ. And look, AJ, we haven't mentioned it yet. AJ and Tane both scored hat tricks, and the reason why is because Cody's putting it on their chest with no one in front of them, so it's very hard to defend. We're almost impossible to defend on the left, and also the right now is looking unreal because look at Tane, and Tane's another story that. He, he just looks awesome with the ball. He's he just a couple of times there. He had a bit of work to do, and he just he just could see the confidence in his in the way he held himself that he was going to get there, and he did. A lot of the times, boys, uh, when we go down that edge, we're scoring tries untouched, and it's just pretty to watch. How good is it to watch when you know we're going to go down there? We can either go to the left or the right with our shapes, and Cody and Renault they always make the decision the correct decision mm. to which player to give it to. And, you know, majority of the time we're, we're scoring untouched. But from a team's point of view, I thought it was probably one of the best performances of the season. I thought we played for pretty much about nearly the 80 minutes. Obviously, they scored a, a late try, um, you know, which probably put a little bit of a blemish on the, on the mm. performance. But I thought it was our, our best performance of the season by far. Well, it's funny you should say that yeah. because we had five... Our five- Big stars out, plus junior. So that's six out. And look what we go out and do. And you mentioned before, Brownie, it was built all on the forwards platform. And I haven't mentioned it yet, but as you know, one of my favourite players, Keon Kalamatangi. 
180 metres, and 95 of those metres were post-contact. So more than half his runs were after he was tackled. So, what a weapon, a beast. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's valuable. Oh, he, he is good, mate. Ben's a line, chaps. Ben's a line. I know that's one of your one of your favourite words, but it is, it's, it's true, and it, it just it just wears out the opposition. Yeah, yeah and, and just speaking on that, I, I had a look at the stats. Chaps, sorry to cut you off, mate, but um, we run for over 900 more metres than the Cowboys. And it just that just shows you that our power game was so much more dominant than the Cowboys. And Tommy up the middle for it a good time as well. Thomas, Tom Burgess and uh, Nico, I thought they started well. I know there was a missed tackle there on Jason yep. Talmolo at one stage, but other than that, that was their only blemish. I thought they were outstanding. They laid a platform. Thomas's runs were, were all with purpose, and he's rewarded with a great try where uh, it was down on the left-hand side of the field. It started, uh, I think, Peter Mamazoulis went into first receiver, of all people, pushed it over to Harmay Sello, who did a little tip on, and Thomas just busted through the hole, and uh, it was a nice little cherry on the top. And what about the try celebration? He paddled, he sort of emulate um, Rene as he jumped mm. up. It looks like he's a goof. looks like he's a goofy footer. No, G.I., G.I. He got up and uh, did, oh, he jumped up like a surfer. No, he was trying to do the surfer he, move. He, I think he's done the Goanna first. Oh, a bit of a pick. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think he was halfway through a goanna and a paddle and a surf, and he thought I might just do the surf move, mate. Uh-huh. And I did like the well, AJ he did one. He did it. The AJ one was uh, like Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, and then as we were talking about Taffy before, because I've got the replay on now, the one where he did the he did the the, the canoeing, you know. So that was that was good as well. So. And, and all that's going to a great cause. Mm. Uh, all, all the tri celebrations going towards a. Masai, Masoi, Masai? Masai? Um, Masai, Masai. Masai, Masai. Masai, Sorry about that. Masai, Masai, uh, the foundation. So it's all going to a great cause. And um, just on uh, the Tom Burgess celebration, I'll get back to Tom. He did indicate last week that if he scored a try, he was going to do the Wim Hof yeah. uh, impersonations. <laughs> now, for those who don't know Wim Hof, he's the Iceman and He's got yes. a breathing technique that uh, a lot of people follow, and he's very popular up there in the north of Sweden, where he yeah. he's actually climbed Mount Everest in a pair of shorts. So mm. cold showers, you can't beat him. Yeah, you're a cold shower yeah, man. As a meter. When was the last time you had a hot shower? Um, yeah, it's a long time ago. I just actually got out of a cold shower just before. So uh, if you haven't had one, do yourself a favour. Start off slow. Start off with maybe 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and then just build up to you don't even put the hot on at all. Uh, my dad's been doing it for years, mate. Reggie Chapel. He's been doing it since day one. 87, still yeah, well, alive. His, his skin still looks great like you, Brownie. The good head for radio. So, Reg, what about Miles' skin? That's he, he must use a lot of product, your brother, mate. <laughs> yeah, Miles's one of Miles's favorite products was Lemon Up, just to keep that um, blonde hair in and, and keep that image, that surfy image. But we'll, we'll we'll move along there. And I thought I found another funny part of the game where Tom did, um, I think he, he went for a touch finder and it, it sprayed off the side of his boot. I was watching it with his missus, and she said, "That's like one of my kicks at the park with the kids." <laughs> Poor uh, old Tom. Now, now, chap, did, <laughs> did you put that down to the wind or? Um, because he, he had a couple of kicks that come off the side of his boot, Tom did. Yeah, now that one, if you have a look where he kicked it, he kicked it well out in the outside of his boot. I think he just mistimed it. Might maybe the maybe the left foot when he planted that might have slid a little bit, put him off because the, the surface looked uh, 
pretty slidey. As you've seen, the try he scored, he slid from it was shades of Wally Lewis when he was playing for the Gold yeah. Coast at Sydney Football Stadium, where he slid from ten or twelve out to boot us that day, if you remember. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think I think Carola would have found touch with a couple of her kicks. So uh, and look, <laughs> and so before we move on, we'll just quickly touch on Liam. He he he's on report at. He did, he did make contact with the head, so he might be getting a week or two off, depending on how many carryover points he has. And that also brings up the question of Damian Mawali was He didn't get chopped until the 19th man, so he was in contention to come in. So I think they might be seriously considering using him. He's a giant of a kid. We've spoken about him before. We don't think he'll be out of place. And Coach Bennett was asked about this in the press conference. Is this an opportunity because we're playing the Bulldogs, which we are going to talk about at the end of the show. So please hang around for that. Does it open the opportunity for blokes like Davey and maybe a couple of others to pop their heads up and get some game time? Oh, definitely. And uh, Davey Mawal is, is probably one of the, the next young up-and-coming players that's going to get his opportunity in this team, similar to what Peter Mamazoulis done yesterday and or did yesterday and, uh, and Blake Taft. So really looking forward to uh, Davey getting his opportunity, whether it be next week or in a couple of weeks' time. but. Look, it's not too far away. He's in the mix. And it just proved last night how close he really is uh, being named, uh, you know, in that top 19. Um, and really looking forward to it uh, when he does take the field. It could be an opportunity to blood some guys next week against the Dogs, um, like you said there. Mavo, D- Davey would be a perfect example of that. He, he's a guy, I don't think he's just going to be a first-grade plotter. This bloke's going to be uh, a star of the game. He is like a... Jason Tamalolo, without putting too much um, pressure on the kid, but the, just just a little one percent as he does, whether it's from marker in defence, uh, he gets out and makes first contact. His line speed's outstanding. His leg drive when he carries the ball, he's got a big motor. He's someone you could put out there for sixty minutes, not a problem. Now, whether or not you want to use him at the moment, but um, coming up against, you don't want to also disrespect the team like dogs, but um, I reckon it could be a good opportunity with someone, even if we're going to rest someone like a Cam Murray, because a bloke who we didn't mention, I thought Paddy Mago was strong and aggressive last night, and I reckon he deserves another opportunity next week if we're going to leave out, um, if a couple of middles aren't going to be available, boys. Well, it just... Well, like you said, chaps, uh, they, they might they might rest, sorry, Mavo, they might rest a couple of the origin players, and if they do, uh, you know, a couple of injuries, we don't know what the injury reports are from last night, but... David Mowali won't look out of place if he gets uh, the opportunity. 100%. And it's encouraging that we've got this depth at the club that we can, like I said, have half our team out and go out and put 40 on a mob. So that's great. If we keep everyone fit, and the big question is the Melbourne Storm juggernaut and the, the Penrith Panthers, who now there's some question marks for them without their star halfback. So, look, I think... And flyweight. And flyweight. If we can keep everyone fit and we've got this depth, we can give this competition a shake. So let's move on now. We're going to go on to Rabbitohs News, brought to you by the juniors group of clubs, the Rabbitohs home away from home, the place to play while the bunnies are away. Now, at the moment, unfortunately, the doors are shut in the lockdown, but they are still advertising some shows that are coming up. For instance, in October, they've got the NXS tribute band. So that'd be good. How good were they back in the day, NXS? How good were they, NXS? Outstanding, mate. Outstanding. Yep, yep. So we might, to, we might go to that one, boys. Yeah, we might go to that one, boys. Oh, what about yeah. that? Get up and hopefully we can dance by then, and you know, take the misses up there and <clears throat> break a bust a few moves. So you might have seen last night on the game. Cut the, the rug. <laughs> cut the rug. 
What if I, we might see the sprinkler. I might pull the sprinkler out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's you, is that your signature move, chaps? Give us a bit of it. Give us a bit of it for Rabbitohs TV. <laughs> oh, sorry. What about I dropped me run, you, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be good at hanging the washing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, I was fantastic at hanging the washing, mate, but don't say it too loud. Me missus might either. Anyway, move on. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Storm Tech jackets, you might have seen on the telly last night, all the team were wearing them, the green Storm Tech jackets. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, they're fantastic and they're 270 bucks, but unfortunately, they're all sold out. Thank you to our mate, Scotty Singles, who told me this this morning. So I did a bit of investigating because we shared a photo of Keon wearing the new Storm Tech jackets. And I spoke to Brandon Lowe from the Rabbitohs this morning and he said they sold out within two hours. It's the biggest sellout we've ever had, and they're astounded by the reaction to them. And I asked, I spoke to Scotty about them, and he said, "Mate, he said I bought one five years ago for two hundred fifty bucks. He said it's the best jacket I've ever had. They're sensational quality, great for the cold games in Canberra or you know some of those winter nights at the footy. He said they're perfect jackets. So I've asked Brandon if they're going to get some more in, and then if we find out that there is, we'll let you know. How loyal are our supporters?" in terms of our merchandise. And that's one of the reasons why we are the most profitable organisation in the NRL is because of our merchandise. We don't have a leaks club to fall back on, but our merchandise is a reason and our membership drive is a reason why we are the most profitable organisation and the most powerful club in the NRL. That's one of the things Rusty did when he came in. He made... He made all our merchandise the best in the NRL, and I still think to this day it, it is like that with designers and everything. And Mavo, we've got a fault. When's our Storm Tech jacket? Look, let's talk about the elephant in the room. When, <laughs> when are our Storm Tech jackets going to be delivered, mate? Well, well, I think they must have missed not missed out missed out on us because everyone, including the Water Boys, were wearing them last night. And we're Rabbitohs, right? <laughs> part of the, we're the official Rabbitohs podcast, part of the Rabbitohs podcast network, and. Uh, well, I'm sitting here without a jacket on. So anyway, hopefully Brandon. I, no, I spoke to Shannon. I spoke to Shannon yesterday, and he said they're in the mail. <laughs> Checks, Checks in, in the mail. mail. <laughs> the other Rabbitohs news is Jaden Sewer was is signed with the Dragons. It looks like, and they asked Coach. Or well, I think Wayne Bennett confirmed that during the week. That's a big loss for the club. And he's another story of when he came to the club. There's a few question marks about him, but. He certainly proved himself to everybody here. We all know what he can do. He's an enforcer. He, him on the edge with Keon and he's, some of the hits he put on. And uh, every, yes, every now and then he gets himself in trouble. But he developed into a real regular first grader, playing 80 minutes a lot of the time. But he's just fallen down that picking order behind a couple of blokes. I now. thought he was good last night. I thought he was good. Sure. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, like, like you said, Mavo, it's just a little bit unfortunate he's out of the mix at the moment. Although he did play last night, and I thought he performed quite well last night. But, um, you know, our back row at the moment, Cameron Murray, um, you know, Harme Sele, who played last night, uh, Jai Arrow, and Keon Kalamatungi. Well, you know, you can't afford to leave them players out, no. uh, the form that they're in. And Jaden obviously, is uh, looking to further his opportunities. And, um, you know, it's why he's reportedly... Signed with the Dragons. It's not official, but reportedly he's, he's gone to the Dragons. Yep. And you, you, mentioned, you mentioned Jai Arrow there, boys. Um, look, a little little disappointing that he's going to miss next week and obviously miss an Origin game. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on that, mate? 
Well, maybe the reports are that Brisbane weren't in lockdown and maybe he got caught up in that. But really, with all the stories about the Dragons players, and that's another issue that we probably won't even bother covering in NRL news, the stupidity of that. So he must have been aware that he's in a bubble with the Origin teams. I'm sure they would have laid it all out nice and clear about that. And so, yeah, silly that he's got caught up in that. We have heard a little whisper that there's more to it, that there was more involved, but we're not going to, you know, I've said it now, I suppose, but it's only a, it's only a rumour. But, yeah, silly, a bit silly, and it's cost his team, the Origin team, for one. And it looks like he's going to have to go into a 14-day lockdown for South. He might not have even played next week. So it looks like he'll probably miss a week. So yeah, uh, when when there's when there's incidents like these, uh, Mavo and chaps, and to all the viewers out there, there's always so much more to it. Uh, so never believe what you read. Um, there's always exactly. you know, two two sides to the story. Yep. You know he's copped it on the chin, Jairo. He's a young bloke, like Wayne Bennett said. You know they all make mistakes, and they all deserve another chance. So look, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We yep. love him here at the Rabbitohs and we can't yeah. wait for him to be back in the team uh, in two weeks' time. Hopefully, Jai Arrow learns from that mistake. He looks back on that in years to come and becomes a leader of this mighty club, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, we might go to Spotlight on the Pathways, brought to you by What If It's Aussie for Travel. Now, you've got some injury news there on young Chocky Gal, mate. I spoke to Chock Gal the other day and unfortunately, his shoulder was giving him some pain. So he's had another operation to clean it out. There were some screws in there. And he's out for the season, which is a bit disappointing. But I think he said he's in the the development squad next year. So he's got that huge opportunity next year. That's the opinion they've got on young Jock Gale. So unfortunately, he's out. The only thing is that, yeah, Brownie? Yeah, Mavo, I was actually at the game when Chock did the injury. It was a big build-up. It was his first game back at the Jersey flag level. And look, he played one game prior in the mascot A grade was really looking forward to the opportunity to, to get back uh, in the Jersey flag team. And that injury, injury occurred, uh, you know, only after a couple of minutes he was on the field. And look, it's devastating for him, but he's a determined young kid and he'll be back bigger and better. Keep your head up, Chock. So, yeah, Chock's out and the pathways are all suspended at the moment. And the way this COVID disaster is panning out, I don't think the pathways will be coming back anytime soon. Could be an extended break. So Chock might not have to miss as much game time as anyone else. Now, boys, we've got the interview we've all been waiting for. Andrew Denton. Have a listen to this. Andrew Denton. Welcome to Rabbitohs Radio, mate. Good morning. Uh, Good to be here. No worries, mate. Now, where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Uh, I grew up in the Blue Mountains in Wentworth Falls. Fantastic. Uh, I just uh, have a lifelong love of uh, big skies and big trees. Uh, so, and one of my favourite things actually was to, um, I had my own gay, uh, competition of rugby league that I played in the backyard against myself. I would tackle myself, <laughs> run and pass and kick. Very good at chip and chase. I beat myself every time. <laughs> and, and who was you back in the day, Andrew? Sorry? Who was you in terms of a football player when you're playing in the backyard? Oh, geez, that's a good question. Different ones. I, I think Paul State was the one I most wanted to be. Um, obviously, I've got that brute physicality, which would remind you of Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, probably 
probably say to you, I, I liked, I used to like Bob Honan. I liked the fast players, you know, the elusive ones. Yeah. Did you ever have a run, mate? Did you pull the boots on as a young fellow? I did. Uh, unfortunately, my school was a rugby school. I never loved rugby much, you know, just those organised brawls every four minutes in the middle of the, the game. But uh, when I went to uh, college at Bathurst, um, I was a pretty good touch footballer. And um, so they asked me to try out for the rugby league team. But I'm I'm built like a matchstick and I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I, I went and played one game and I got, you know, just I was turned into a footpath pretty quickly. But I, I hung in there. And at the end of the game, the prop four came up to me and said, that's the bravest thing I've ever seen. And I thought, yeah, I, I'm probably not made for this. <laughs> Unreal. So just on your background, your father, Kit, was a writer and a presenter and he wrote the book Breaker about the great Breaker Morant. So were you destined to always move into the following your dad's footsteps? Um, I don't know. I never had a plan. Uh, I guess... Uh, you know, dad worked in the media all my life. So, and we were a very verbal household and we were always encouraged to communicate and, and humour was always a big part of our lives. So I guess it was more a case of this is where my talents probably are leading me, but it was all an accident. Um, I mean, I, I've always joked, but it's actually true. What I wanted to be was halfback for Souths, but um, uh, as previously described, I was never going to be that. So, uh, yeah, I just stumbled into it. Um, you know, it was dad who encouraged me to go to uh, college and do a communications degree. I got a BA, but I always thought BA stood for bugger all because it didn't, it, I had no idea how that connected to a job. It was just a series of lucky moments. Andrew, you, you just mentioned you always wanted to play for the Rabbitohs as a number seven. How did you become a Rabbitohs supporter living in the Blue Mountains? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Look, uh, Brownie, if, if you'd watched as I did the uh, Penrith Chocolate Soldiers get beaten 70 to 7 by Manly, uh, you certainly wouldn't be a Penrith supporter. <laughs> um, but uh, I was very young. I would, would have been eight was when I first identified as a South supporter. And that was the year, obviously, um, uh, we lost to uh, uh, Balmain in the grand final, 69. Um, but I, this sounds crazy. I think it was something about like the colours I like just to start with. But I don't know how that transformed. I really can't identify how that transformed so fiercely into a deep identification with the team and the story and and uh, what it stood for. And in fact, in some ways, the worst things went for South because it wasn't long after, you know, those grand finals that the club nearly went bankrupt and Don Lane got involved and all that stuff that went on for years. In some ways, the worse it got, the, the more fiercely loyal I felt. I, I, I don't know what it was I identified with. It wasn't in my family. Dad was a Canterbury supporter. Uh, we never spoke. We didn't speak for 20 years. Uh, no, just <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so w when South played Canterbury, it was pretty interesting times in our house. Yeah, so without brushing over that 69 grand final, were you old enough to know that we got robbed in 69, mate? No, but I was definitely old enough to uh, to remember uh, Georgie Piggins' heroics, uh, raking the ball back from St George uh, in in uh, the following grand final. I was old enough to uh, know what happened to Sats, but no, I didn't know we got robbed. I've got a book now by Ian Heads about that grand final, the South Balmain grand final, about uh, uh, the tactics and was the fix in. It's interesting. 
It is actually. I've started reading it in, in Bali, and I'm, I don't know where it's gone. I need to get it because it actually goes back to the whole history of the rivalry between the two clubs, right back to that game when I think we we went and kicked off and they didn't lob, and they've always blown up about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It's an interesting history. I haven't. I haven't finished it. Uh, and don't tell me how it ends, Steve. No, uh, I've read it either. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you touched on being a loyal South supporter. How did you feel when we got booted out of the comp? I was so angry, but I I knew we were going to get booted out uh, a long time before it happened. Uh, it was really clear. To, you could see the way the criteria had been set up. Um, when you when you dug into it, you could see that the teams that were being created or backed by News Limited, uh, the criteria were designed to allow them in, even though uh, this is probably lost in the midst of time to a lot of people, but uh, the North Queensland Cowboys, they're a great franchise. I'm really glad they're there. Um, but they actually had in their forward projections that they were going to be bankrupt within three years. So theoretically, they didn't meet the criteria at all. Anyway, there was so much, um, so much about it that was uh, crooked. I was really angry about it and um, angry personally, but also angry as a, as a question of social equity. You know, I remember the, um, the first march from uh, Redfern up to the town hall, that extraordinary day. And my wife, Jen, she doesn't like rugby league. She refers to it as that awful noise, but she came with me on the march. because <laughs> she, uh, she could see how invested I was in it. And, um, and she, when we got to uh, Redfern and nobody really knew what was going to happen that day and this huge crowd was amassing, she said, oh, I get it. This is about the little end of town taking on the big end of town. I said, that's absolutely what it's about. And I think so many people around Australia got that. They didn't support South or even rugby league, but they got the idea of uh, this is about a, big, a very big multinational company trying to take away something that belongs to the people. It's essentially like the, the castle, Andrew, wasn't it? Like the big end of town. It, it was. It was the castle. Uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you call George Daryl Kerrigan, but um, <laughs> it, it was a bit of the castle. You know, in some ways, I mean, Nick Pappas is a, obviously a far more skillful lawyer uh, than um, Dennis Denudo, but <laughs> uh, <It> is. <laughs> the blood, the blood. who's Farouk? Who ends up yeah, being Farouk? But, but in some way, I remember when. I remember that meeting when the then South lawyers, whose names I forget, um, bought one cardboard box to the boardroom and plucked it on the table and said, well, this is all we've got. In other words, I don't think we've got a case. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. And Nick took it on and, and cut to however many months later it was, eight or nine months later, and I went into his offices in the city and the entire room, uh, every wall up to the ceiling was filled with cardboard boxes of documents relevant to the case. And um, so there was, there was an element of the castle to it. And, and there was, there was, there was more, than, more than one, one person involved uh, in that fight back, uh, Andrew. Tell us about some of the people that were involved in that group 14 and, and the, the more instrumental players uh, that, that played a, a major role. I think uh, the Lissing brothers, uh, Martin and Jerry, did a lot to form that group. Um, the Lahoud brothers as well. Uh, it was a, it was an unlikely alliance. I mean, <laughs> I remember one meeting and looking around the table, and there's there's myself, uh, there's Mikey Robbins, there's Ray Martin, there's Alan Jones. Alan and I aren't, haven't really been on speaking terms probably since we were born. 
Um, uh, there was Carly Perkins. Uh, it was a, and it, uh, there was George, obviously. There was Nick. Um, well, yeah, what a great balance it was, Andrew, because you had some former players there as well, including Sean Garlick and Craig Coleman as well. Absolutely. Tugger got involved. I, I remember uh, this is a very South thing. Um, I think after the first court case, I went uh, to the uh, leagues club and some guy fronted me and he, he accused me of being involved in it for the publicity and I really got the shits with him and... Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I don't often lose my cool, but I did with this guy, and I, I'm sure I used some very choice language. Anyway, I moved on, and later that day, Tugger came up to me, and he said, "That guy that was giving you shit." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Don't worry, we sorted him." I'm thinking, "Oh no, what have you done? <laughs> I need to find out." <laughs> so, and also, Steve McDermott, a good mate of ours, was a part of that, and he's now yeah, up here the, of, of the spa, and you were at our one of our recent spa events, so. Yeah, that's a good organisation. And Steve is a fantastic bloke, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly is. And, and uh, by I haven't named everyone by any means. You know, but there's Deirdre Grusevin, there's Laurie Brereton, Mike Whitney, of course. Um, there's uh, Henry Morrison, the juniors, um, uh, Ken McGraw. There was a, fa- a huge coalition of people. And and yeah. um, uh, and I, I truly think that um, News Limited took, had no idea what they'd stirred up and it was it was very obvious to me uh that that first rally when they put it on page whatever it was 46 of the telegraph and a tiny little story i thought you're in trouble here because you're in the business of of selling newspapers and you're in the business of public relations and you have a bona fide public relations disaster on your hands and there was i don't know if you remember she's still alive a beautiful abc broadcaster called caroline jones Yes. used to do four corners, highly respected, deeply moral, uh, impressive woman. And she wrote an article in, um, uh, it was published in the Herald, where she said, wrote directly to Lachlan Murdoch, it was a letter to him saying, Lachlan, when you do something which makes grown men cry, maybe you need to think again about what it is you're doing. And I thought, there's no answer to that. No, that's great. Mate, there, there was one instrumental uh, player, that you did not mention, and his name's Kerry Stokes. How, how important was Kerry um, to obviously the, the final result? I'm so glad you uh, raised that, Brownie. Uh, Kerry Stokes, the, the club wouldn't exist if not for Kerry, when we needed to find that money, when the court said uh, that we had to find that money to prove that we had a viability, it wasn't there. We'd scraped every pot, um, we'd rattled every pan, and um, for Kerry to do what he did without hesitating. I mean, he's a smart guy too. When when South Scott booted out, Today Tonight broadcast live from the Leagues Club, and that was for many years the highest rating show they ever did. So Kerry knew where the numbers were. But it wasn't just that for Kerry. I've known Kerry in different ways for many years. He's the most interesting of the moguls that I've met. He's quite different. Anyway, um, without him, we don't move forward. And I think it is... Um, uh, it is to the great shame of the club that he wasn't properly acknowledged and uh, only belatedly and only after a push by some of us was he made a life member, but he should have been up on the pedestal uh, with George and Nick uh, at, uh, when South were reinstated. And um, I, th- I think it was something that uh, is not a proud moment. You know, well said, mate. And you just mentioned the Lissing brothers before and they were 
we had them on the show. They're great guys as well. And they said that they described George Piggins as our Winston Churchill. How would you describe the great man? Um, you know, I just think of, when I think of George, I don't think of him in this. My, my first memory, uh, it's thought of George, it's two things, actually. It's that amazing try against Wests. Yeah, where he had, had no right to score. And he ran to, I think Les Boyd was one of the ones he ran through. Mm. That obviously is an iconic image. But also I remember, remember he got picked for the Australian squad that toured in, I think it was 75, as the second string hooker. And I remember I followed rugby league religiously and anything to do with South, I'd read about it. And there was an article in the Australian about the team on tour. And it talked about George sitting in the bus, looking out over Wales as the bus is driving along. And all he can say is, oh, I wish I was back at Redfern. <laughs> George was, uh, again, if you were doing central casting, you couldn't do better than George. Um, even the name Piggins. Piggins suggests somebody that's not going to move for anything. And uh, never he, did. the fact that, no, he never did. The fact that he... Um, he didn't have Churchill's eloquence, that's for sure, but he didn't need it. The fact that he spoke in this very, this very honest, almost humble way, again, um, I think he used the expression of what News Limited had done was a bit like shooting Bambi. Well, in some ways, George was, um, was a cross between Bambi and that person you never want to meet in a dark street. <laughs> and it's similar to, to all walks of life in terms of George because Mavo and I were both fortunate to be coached by George and... While he wasn't, you know, uh, one of the best coaches in the competition at the time or, or the, you know, the, the most knowledgeable, he was, you just don't take a backward step. And, and that's, how, that's how he coached and that's how he played. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, an uncomplicated man, and I mean that in a, uh, in a complimentary way. Um, what you saw is what you got. And, um, you know, I think uh, obviously what came after South's um, reinstatement and that was, that was a pretty fierce battle for the future of the club. Um, I know that was very hurtful to George and I, I know that he would hold me as one of the people most responsible for that pain and I'm, I'm sorry it developed that way. But I think, um, I don't think, uh, I think the club's uh, acknowledgement of George and debt to George will never change regardless of anything that happened. And, uh, I was very pleased when he came to the grand final that we won in 2014. I thought that was that was as it should be, and I hope he took real pleasure from that. Well, we're going to ask you about that in a minute, but firstly, it was reinstatement day during the week, 6th of July 2001, 20 years ago that day. Yeah. Take us through the day. How, how did you feel that one? Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't be at the court because I, I was working at Triple M at the time, and I can't remember what it was, but I couldn't be there. Um, for Uncle Doug, Doug Mulray? No, I was. That was my own show at that time, and um, uh, uh, Triple M were looking for someone just slightly less ugly to host their breakfast <laughs> show. And they found. Um, uh, they got maroon too. <laughs> they got maroon. Yeah. They're getting just fractionally less ugly with each generation. Um, only, only marginally maroon's case. Um, uh, look, it was an a day of incredible vindication coming down to the club. Uh, it's hard to explain. There was, um, there's not many times in your life that you get involved with a whole group of other people um, in, in a fight that seems initially so unwin unwinnable against such 
difficult odds, but where you know no matter whether you win or lose, you are absolutely in the right. And then to have won, a bit like the castle, um, was a remarkable feeling. And, and it was that sense of, you know, I contrast that day with the day South got kicked out. And I, I took a journalist friend of mine down to the Lees Club uh, and he ended up writing a, a feature story for the good weekend. And um, and the the emotional mayhem that was there that day, the sense of deep distress in the community. Although I will say, still that brilliant Australian sense of humour. I remember walking through and there were people everywhere, outside the club, inside the club, people crying and angry and it was an incredible um, atmosphere. And in the middle of it, somebody just emerged from the crowd and thrust a fake front page into my uh, hands and said, Andrew, what do you think of this? And I looked down and it had Souths to merge with East Timor. And I thought, that's pretty funny, <laughs> particularly, <laughs> particularly at this moment. So contrast that with um, the day of the reinstatement. Um, and in fact, I've looked at that footage again this uh, week of all of us sitting up there and, and and for some reason I was the one reading out George's statement. I don't know why he wasn't, but obviously we agreed on that at the time. And and um I look, it was it was it it was like St. George and the Dragon, which slayed the dragon. And it's that that is a myth, but this was real. And it was a remarkable moment. And uh I think everyone involved uh will carry that with them for the rest of their lives. Well, it certainly was, mate. And and to you must be so pleased to see how far the club's come and it's sort of all crescendoed up at till uh, in 2014 where we where we beat the Bulldogs 30 to 6. Mate, tell us about your grand final story, mate, that day. Huh. Well, my grand final story actually started in China because I um, uh, had been long since, uh, long before booked into this trip to China. And I, I um, anyway, long story short, there I was in China um, somewhere uh, in the far west of China trying to uh, get via text and so on, follow what was happening in the semifinals. And it was, uh, I remember we were, I think it was Manly. We were down well and truly against Manly in the, in the I think we we're down 14 nil or something. And I, I'm just getting these texts and it's like, oh no. Anyway, the minute we made the grand final, I said to Jen, I can't stay. I have to go back to this. <laughs> of course you have to. <laughs> and we had a, we had a stand-up row somewhere in, in the middle of China and um, and I got why Jen was pissed off. But at, you know, to her credit, we don't have that many rows. And um, to her credit, uh, well, she knew I was going to go. And to her credit, she, she said, okay. And much more to her credit later, she said, I get it. I get why you went back. So mm. I flew back. I think You're I You're following arrived. that loud noise. Yeah, that's right. But she... <laughs> she she had seen the, how much uh, I, as well as others, had put into um, uh, that time. And, and, and you know, the, that was a... She also knew, um, you know, taking on News Limited for some of the works in the media is a dangerous thing. And it um, it certainly cost me in my career, uh, not, not in terms of job opportunities, but there were black bands and there were things which were detrimental and there were some things I can't talk about but which were... Um, uh, they were really brass knuckle stuff. So there'd been, it had been a cost. So um, anyway, so I flew back and I arrived back, uh, was it on the morning of? No, it might've been the day before. So I was pretty lagged. 
And I went out uh, to the ground with uh, Nick Pappas and Nick Hatsistagos, another person who uh, is worth noting in terms of, uh, on Jim Hatfield is another, by the way. Oh, yeah, great uh, yeah. So I sat with Jim and Nick and Nick, and, and Nick Pappas will tell you, and Anthony Albanese always chips me on this, um, I am the most pessimistic South supporter that ever lived. You know, I, I think we're going to lose uh, the entire <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, I have told this story before, but it is absolutely true. During the uh, late 90s when we were uh, struggling, I went to watch us play Canterbury and we, we won and it was an unexpected win. And this is true. I came home and watched the replay and I was nervous watching the replay. That's how bad a South <laughs> support I am. I was nervous. <laughs> that's <not> real. <laughs> Anyway, so, I think we've all got a pessimistic fan like yourself. Yeah, I'm the team pessimist. So uh, the game, the first half was very tight. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, you know, this is not going as we'd like. But as the second half, we really pulled away. And those, those championship qualities, obviously, people like GI. And also, I remember watching that first tackle because obviously, when you're at the ground, you're seeing more than you're seeing on TV. And, mm. and, Instantly, it was like first tackle, Sammy's in trouble. Mm. And uh, I think without Sammy, we don't, well, we may not win that game because he's 100% right. The presence he had, um, you know, playing with that that injury and yeah, everyone sort of like lifted around him. Yeah. And he gave everyone that extra strength and courage. So, anyways, we pulled away um, the emotion in the ground. I will never forget it. I, I could see there were uh, South and Canterbury supporters all around me and there, I, I saw people crying uh, and even Canterbury supporters, disappointed though they were, I could see they had a sense of the moment as in, wow, you know, this is, we're part of something special. So it was, um, it was the culmination of so much, but it was also a bit, I remember the next day I, I went down to, I took my son down to uh, Redfern for the celebration and that was brilliant. I just walked through Redfern for hours. and um, But I also remember thinking it's a bit like that old joke of what would your car, what would your dog do if it actually caught the car? And I thought, oh, what happens now that we've actually won? Yeah. <laughs> That's the man. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. yeah. It lifted a big weight off our shoulders. And, I mean, I only had to travel from Botany, but I was never going to. Missed the grand final. We were all there, but you weren't in Wuhan by any chance, were you, in John? No, no. I, 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 well, I was doing a little bit of uh, uh, research with bats, but nothing major, Steve. Um, <laughs> I, the other thing was after the game, I went to South Juniors, and that was fantastic. Yeah. And I, I remember, uh, I remember um, watching the boys up on the stage, and what really struck me was how quiet GI was. He was just very, very quiet up there on the stage. Everyone else was. Uh, grouping it up and he was not and I think he was uh, I, I remember uh, I, I wrote to him afterwards and I said you were you were brought here to be a champion and to win a premiership and that's a lot of responsibility and uh, that's what you did for this district and I, I think a lot of that I think he was taking a lot of that sense in but I remember talking to Luki Kiri one of my favorite players and um I strongly think that if we had not lost Luke, we would have one more premiership and the Roosters one less, but let's not go there. Um, yeah, and no, uh, <laughs> uh, Luke should have been our 
captain in our future. But anyway, he he told us that uh, Chris he's a little guy. He's littler than I am in uh, uh, in many ways. And the premier, his finger was too small for the premiership ring, so we'd given <laughs> it to his parents. And I thought, wow, that's that's something. Yeah, yeah. mate. Um, we spoke about twenty years ago. Oh, we oh, were oh, in struggle. Oh, oh. I was going to say, Brownie. I remember bumping into Dave Tyrrell. Remember, he got ironed out. I think it was a, a shoulder from James Graham, and uh, um, I bumped into him downstairs in the dressing room afterwards. And he's a lovely guy, Dave. And he said, I can't remember too much of what happened. I said, don't you remember, Dave, you scored two tries? And the, there was that brief moment where was like, did I? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a forward, mate. You can tell him anything. <laughs> mate, um, we, we spoke about just before, uh, 20 years ago, you know, we were really in struggle street, but the club's in a, a great position now. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on how we're going to fare in the future? Well, first of all, I would uh, really like to acknowledge the absolutely central role of Nick Pappas in the resurrection of Souths. I mean, we know his role as the lawyer, but as the chairman of this club, you know, we've we've seen this week uh, and in recent weeks, and, and Boyan Bennett talked about this a bit, what happens with a club when the, the management and the culture is not good? And uh, I think Nick, as our chairman, has uh, absolutely taken what Russell and Peter Holmes have called made possible and has been the steward of this becoming a really professional, well-managed club. Mm. Um, and when he steps down, you know, I, I hope, I'm not sure who takes his place because he um, he's the invisible glue, I think. Uh, there might be some, <laughs> there might be alternative views to that, but that's how I see it. Um, the future well, uh, clearly we're, we, we're shedding players under the cap. Uh, we lost uh, Adam, obviously, um, about which I have very mixed feelings. Uh, we've lost Jaden. We may lose Gags. Um, so we're going to be a, a less powerful squad. I understand the, uh, the, the bringing the young guys through. I thought Peter Manzoulis last night was really impressive. Um, we'll see how tough he goes. Um, uh, Lachlan Elias, these young guys. Um, there's not a lot of focus on the fact we're letting uh, Wayne go. And um, that's a big question to me. He's, um, there's no doubt that he brings experience and qualities and draws players to him in a way very few coaches do. And um, uh, he looked hungry last night, didn't he, Wayne? I don't know if you've seen the <laughs> footage after. No, I really, uh, I really liked that halftime and he was got the players around him. I, I saw a, uh, a real intent there last night. Um, it's a big call to let Wayne go. And, and you know, I hope JD, I'm sure we all do, is, is the man. Um, but that's, um, that's an open question. And, um, I mean, no disrespect to JD, but he hasn't... Um, had to prove himself at that level. So yeah. I... Uh, just on that, just on that, Andrew, he is, uh, he is one from one in the NRL. Wayne Bennett actually uh, went to Grappa a couple of that's months right. ago, or last year and, and was suspended. And JD actually took over the coaching. So he is one from one yep. in the NRL. He's got a 100% record, our, our man JD. So you, what you're saying, Brown, is we've actually hired the most successful coach in the history of the game. <laughs> <laughs> we have... I like the way you look at it. 
Yeah. Mate, you just mentioned Russell Crowe there. We haven't really touched on his involvement. He was a, a real saviour for this organisation as well, wasn't he? Yeah. And he's the other one, obviously, um, uh, that should be up on the pedestal. Um, and Russell was, uh, you know, I remember um, in the in the dark days when things were looking not so good and Russell contacted me with a question which at the time I thought I was a bit pie in the sky but he said his question was can you find out for me what it will cost to take over the club and uh, it turned out he was as good as his his word and uh, I think he um, Again, he 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 brought people like Sammy to the club. I think without him, Roy Azatasi doesn't come to the club. Mm. Um, Naju Wangana doesn't come to the club. And uh, uh, Russell is, um, you know, passionate, uh, but he's put his money where his mouth is, and his mouth where his money is. Mm. Uh, there's been some things he's done which have obviously been fairly eccentric, but hey. Uh, Rugby league, as you guys would know better than me, any sporting team is—it's not just about the uh, win-loss record. It's about the stories that you walk away with, and and if there's one thing Russ is good at, it's stories. True, yeah, very true, mate. So, and that's what we're about here on the Rabbitohs Radio podcast. We love getting everyone uh, to tell their story about the the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs, similar to yourself, and um, you know we've interviewed some of the greats, and they've all got including Ron Coote and Bob McCarthy and, and Tugger himself, but they've all got some great stories and, and some of the journeys that they've been on uh, yeah. through this amazing club. Yeah, and, 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 and that's, what, that's what sport is, and that's what I think um, the people that were running Super League, they didn't understand. Um, you should never take over a business you don't fully understand. And what, why are we all going to watch Wimbledon tonight? You know, there's a, a thousand tennis tournaments every year, but Wimbledon is the story. Why is the Ashes the big one? It's the story. You can't, and, and when they ripped out the chapter of the NRL story that was North's, they damaged that story, for example. He was the team that hadn't won since 1922. We all knew when they got there, even if it wasn't our team, we were going to be like, good on them. But that chapter's gone now. So the great, the great sports traditions are all, uh, a long-running story, and um, you, you uh, tinker with that story at your peril. Rugby league is a tribal, as tribal as any sport in the world, Andrew, and I think that's a great point you bring up about um, North Sydney Bears. Imagine them winning it next year, for example, a 100-year mm-hmm. drought. You know, They could be still in the competition, and, and the nostalgia that would go with that. A bit like you know, when we won our comp after 43 years, that you're throwing that down the drain and that's where they don't get it. And that's why we had to challenge News Limited. And, you know, those reclaim the game rallies. Uh, there are a lot of other jerseys at those rallies and a lot of Norse jerseys, I remember. And, and when I was on uh, I was on Triple M during those years and I remember getting a call um, the first year of Super League from a, a man whose brother, who wasn't old, had died of cancer and they buried him in his Norse jersey. And he was talking about that from the point of view what it meant to him and why he would never ever follow rugby league again. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's it, mate. Now, now you've been very generous with your time, mate. We'll just ask you one last question. What are you up to these days, mate? Uh, that's a long story. So I've I've uh, moved on from uh, media. I, I describe myself as uh, too handsome for television, too ugly for radio. 
And uh, so I now um, have started a, a charitable organization called Go Gentle Australia. And we advocate for more compassionate end of life choices, including the legalization of voluntary assisted dying, which is, it's, uh, it, it sounds pretty heavy. Uh, and in some ways it is, but um, it's actually something that uh, a vast majority of Australians want to see happen, but which our parliaments have struggled to do. And I'm pleased to say that uh, over the last five years, we've had a fair bit of success. It's now legal in four states and New South Wales and Queensland will have the opportunity to do the same later this year, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's a bit of a fight. And I'm always amazed at how many people actually have a story which relates to it, who go, oh yeah, this happened to my dad or this happened to my uncle. Or, well, I actually do, this Andrew, this, happened to this, that happened to my, to my mum, actually. She passed away in 2017 and I get emotional talking about it, but... Um, yeah, so she was ravaged by cancer, and we actually spoke about this that she should have the, had the choice to to do that, you know. So, have you have you had a personal yeah. experience with that as well? Or yeah, I watched uh, my dad died painfully. That's what first got me thinking about it. But you know, Steve, I'm astonished at how many people I hear say something similar to what you said, and and one of the reasons I'm so engaged with this, I do it full time now, is that. It really upsets me when I hear doctors who must know better, but who have a, a fairly um, strong Christian view of life, which is that only God decides these things. When they suggest that what happened to your mum isn't happening, or that we could just they can take care of it, that's mm. they can do many great things, but there are some people at the end. There's no good path like your mum, and there should be a choice. Yeah, true. Mate, yeah, so you, we'll wrap it up like we said. You're an Aussie icon, and there's another Aussie icon. We just mentioned Wimbledon tonight, the Barty Party. Let's go and cheer yeah. our girl on. And, mate, thanks for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Just on that, and I'm sure you'll see one of these in the crowd, like you do every big sporting event, yeah. the mighty Rabbitoh. Yeah, a random South guy, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, go, Ash. Go, the Bunnies. Uh, it was good last night. I, I saw... Uh, Better intent in defence. We got. We still got another step up to go, I think, to match the big two. But we'll see what happens. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, mate. He is an icon, and he's, he, we didn't even really touch on his amazing career, chaps. We've talked about it before. He's been nominated nominated for Australian of the Year. He's been nominated Why? for Logie, and he's. I think when in our research it said he was voted as one of the most likable and and people in Australian television in the media and. And it's true. It's, who wouldn't like the bloke? We just trust. Yeah. To me, he's just a, a trustworthy guy, boys. If you if you look at it, like I trust, I trust his opinion. I know it's not going to be uh, a catch for comment, so to speak. I'm not going to mention the people that have done that over the years. And Andrew mentioned that he hasn't spoken to that guy since he was a baby, or never will, never get along with him. But mate, what, what a what a how privileged are we to have a chat with a guy like that? I, I was I was actually quite nervous before we. Got on air, boys. I don't normally do. get too nervous like that. We forgot to ask. Yeah, but we forgot to ask him the most important question: is yeah, what makes a good interview? But I suppose just seeing him then is oh, we got him. Yeah, you know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, we, and, and speaking of yeah. that, he, he's got his own uh, way of interviewing people. Uh, you know, he's interviewed probably some of the greatest guests in, in the world. Um, you know, through his interviewing style, it's a little bit different. And um, you know, he just comes across as you. All your listeners out, or all your viewers out there can see he's just a, a knockabout bloke and, uh, you know, a mad South Sydney Rabbitoh fan, another high-profile 
Mm. South Sydney Rabbitoh fan. Well, I did read in our research that he has been asked that question and I will answer it for him. And I just wish we had, if it was a missed opportunity, but he said, firstly, research. And we do do that because, you know, I, I read about his dad and we learned a bit of stuff about him. And the other one is listening. And we learned that question. We learned that when we did our Terry Fay interview, when he told us something and it was quite moving and we did, we just moved on because we had our notes and we were just following the script rather than reacting to what they say. And he just, and Andrew did say that is if someone says something, then be prepared to just go off on a tangent talking about that. And I think we did that a couple of times with him. So if you're watching this, mate, thank you for the advice. And yeah, really, really good to chat with a bloke that famous. And he, he went through a lot about, gave us an inside look into the reinstatement and all, all it was around that too. Yeah, it was great, it was great, timing, great right? timing to have Andrew on uh, with that, you know, being the 20 year anniversary. And like you just said, Mavo, he was heavily involved in that fight back. Um, and, uh, you know, we're very grateful for him uh, in, in his efforts. And we wouldn't be here today if, if he wasn't involved. Yeah. And I like when he, we asked him about George Piggins and he said about that try. And really that does sum up the guy. We all seen it. You can just picture it now. And we've seen it a thousand times where he, and then Rex Mossop's the caller, and he was an iconic call as well. And, you know, look, look, Georgie, he's bowed his way through the meat of the Western Suburbs pack, and that's how uh, he's Piggins, like. Piggins, Piggins, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, and then he's just put his arms up like that. So, yeah, it was it was a good chat. And and just on George, it's, it's good to hear that he's, uh, he's on the mend and he's at home, and he's, you know, on, on his way to uh, making a full recovery. True. And also we shared our Bob McCarthy interview today. We've been sharing our interviews as standalone content every day during lockdown. And today's was Bob McCarthy and he just had some neck surgery and he's recovering at home as well. So get well soon to you, mate. Uh, get well, Macca. Thanks, Andrew. Great interview. Rabbitohs Radio is brought to you by the Juniors Group of Clubs. Export Freight Systems. And NG Farrow Real Estate. Remembering a Rabbitoh, brought to you by Export Freight Systems, with thanks to Brad Ryder. Chaps? This week it's Graham Ernest Murray, born on the 6th of January 1955 at Peak Hill, New South Wales. Jeez, that's really deep in West Territory there, out in the middle of uh, past Bathurst, out near Orange, I think Peak Hill is. Uh, no, it's out near Parks and Dubbo, I believe, because I spoke to yeah. Graham's brother, John. Yeah, so, and, and Graham was okay. 1955. That was the year that the Bunnies famously won the GF, beating Newtown 12-11 in that famous year when they were gone. And I think the little master kicked the goal from the sideline to stay alive in the comp. And then they didn't have the little master or Greg Haywick, I believe, in that grand final. And still, the Newtown were the heavy favourites. And the mighty rabbit eye, the red and green, got the chocolates. The South Sydney spirit shone through that day. They come from dead last at the midway point of the season. One of the most famous uh, grand final wins of all time there, boys. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so, there were five kids in the family. That's right. Yeah, okay. so we've just got it all written down here on the run sheet here as we try and work through this. There's a heavy storm coming through. Um, apologies, listeners. There were five kids in the family. With three boys, John, Peter and Graham, who was the youngest but the tallest. In 1960, the family moved from the country to the Big Smoke, 
They lived at 16 Mayberry Crescent, Liverpool, and attended Liverpool Patrician Brothers School, a mad rugby league school, that one, I believe, boys. Yeah, yeah. And I've spoken to both Graham's brothers, John and Peter, and thank you for that. And Peter said they were normal brothers playing backyard footy in the day and loving their, loving their work. And I asked John for his memories of his brother, and he said, just remember one time, me and my brother were playing A grade uh, for... Me and my brother were playing for Guildford Leagues. So John and Peter were playing for Guildford Leagues. And they lined up against Graham, who was playing for Cabramatta. So that's one of his fondest memories, playing against his <laughs> baby brother. And, and apparently they beat him too. So well, they must have been all right players back in the day, the, the, the Murray brothers as well. But thanks to Pete and, and John. And they, they said they're quite a private family. They're not really into all the football stuff. But it was just nice to get a bit of background from the boys and let us know what it was like back in the day. Yeah, for sure. I thank you very much to the Murray family. Now, Murray was a qualified mathematics high school teacher who had an extraordinary rugby league career, both as a talented halfback and also well-known as a successful coach, um, both here in Australia and over in Super League. And also, he, he really helped graft that women's game as well for the Gillaroos in some of those early 2000s. Now, we married Amanda Judd, or Judd on the 15th of December 1984, on their ninth wedding anniversary, had a baby daughter. Yep. Uh, there you go. Yep, Cara. Now. Baby daughter. Cara. I think she's now working for the Men of League as well, so she's kept their, uh, an association with, with the game. Okay. Well, it's a rugby league um, family, no doubt about it. His silky ball-playing distribution skills earned him the nickname Little Artie, being compared to one of the great immortals there, Arthur Beetson. So that's not a bad rap there, Brandon. Yeah, no, he definitely was. Um, Graham Murray, I, I was a, while I was a South Sydney supporter, I also used to like the Parramatta Eels and that was a club that he played for early on in his career. And he came through as a little number seven there and played with the likes of, you know, Ray Price, uh, John Colt and a hero of mine, Mick Cronin. Yep. So, you know, he, he played him some really good sides and they put him instead for a long career in the game of rugby league. Well, I think he made his debut in 1976 in a Parramatta side that had the great John Peard, the Peard bomb. So one appearance off the bench for the Eels, but then Chap Sugar probably going to move on to it now. In 1977, he, he found his way into the starting halfback role, scored a try and played alongside the Crow and some of the greats of rugby league. Oh, yeah, that, that late 70s Parramatta team, you can sort of take a bit of credit for what happened in the 80s where they're the most dominant team uh, of that era, no doubt about it. He can take a fair bit of credit for that. Now, Murray became the first-grade halfback in 1978. He also captained the side until the emergence of, well, one of my favourite halfbacks of all time and great commentator, the great snorky Peter Sterling. This is probably the reason why he shifted to the Rabbitohs in 1981. As, as did Parramatta's fine 5'8", Michael Patterson. They both come over as a bit of a, a one-two package there, boys. Yeah. Now, Murray played 46 first-grade games for Parramatta from 77 through to 80, scoring nine tries. At South Sydney, Murray played 43 first-grade games, scoring seven tries, setting up many, many more uh, with, with ball runners such as Mitch Brennan, the great Mitch Brennan, who was 
part of that spa event last year as uh, one of the entertainers. Yes. Now, we yep. only played for the Rabbitohs from uh, 81 to 83. He then became South Sydney first grade player number 678, boys. Just on that, Chaps, uh, while, while he was only at the Rabbitohs for a short period of time, um, he, he would have been a, a great tuition for the young halfbacks coming through, the likes of Craig Coleman and George Longbottom, who were the halfbacks that took over from uh, Murray back in the day. So they would have took a, a big learning curve off uh, the experience of Graham Murray when he come to the club and, and the likes of Russell Fairfax as well. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and for sure, mate. We, we, always, we always talk about Tugger, but we probably don't talk about George. George probably um, had his career sort of stifled there a bit by Tugger, but George, George is a fantastic young player. Great player. And I spoke to him at our last, uh, in Mudgee, actually, I was talking to him about it, and he, he, he'll come on the show. So I'd love to get George on for a ch- chat about his career. But you just mentioned Sterlow before. So Graham played with Sterlow at the Eels, and he was one of the greats. I actually got to play against him, and he was very hard to tackle. He didn't want to get tackled. He was too smart. And so Graham can, you know, probably take some of the credit for working with the great Sterlow. But then you were just about to say it, chaps. Well, you just said he became Rabbitoh number six, seven, eight when he made his debut for the Rabbitohs against the Bears. But his half partner that day was a bloke called Russell Fairfax, who was also making his Rabbitohs debut after a stellar career at the Evil Empire. So not many people know that South fans like us do, that Russell actually played four first-grade games for South and the first one was with the great Muzz as a half pairing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Russell might have been a South Sydney junior. Yep. Yeah, well, didn't we speak to Gary Wright about this? They grew up in the same street up here at Chipley. And I think they might have came through the junior pathway system with the SG ball and uh, the jersey flag together. Russell Fairfax, the flowing locks, got barred from the Leafs club. That's a story to be told. It'd be nice to get him on to tell that one. You know. Still plays golf out the coast today. He does. Yeah, good bloke. Good bloke, Russ. Good bloke. He does. Now, Murray was in the team which famously won the Midweek Tooth Cup on Wednesday, the 12th of August, 1981, at a pack-like Oval, winning 10-2 over Cronulla. And it was a ground record at the time, 23,021, watching... Uh, Watching the boys pick up a, a handy little check there of 95000 That would have been a fair whack back in the day. It was a, fa- it was oh, a, definitely. a bit of a famous win. It was 1981, so it was a long time ago. I was only like 13 years old. And, but some of those victories are really cherished by South fans and people listening now because we didn't have much to cheer about during that period. So to win that was something, even though it wasn't a competition which we all salivated over for so long. Just uh, memories uh, uh, of that, um, the midweek cup games. I, the, what brings back memory to me is the, the type of ball that they used to use. Remember, it used to have the stripes around the ball. It was completely yeah, different to the weekend ball. Yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. It had the hoops. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is a that is something I had forgot. Now, um, at the end of '83, I had a fallen out with um, the incoming coach Ron Willie. Um, he's, he's he really got along with Bill Anderson, who was the coach in. Um, I think it was 80, 81. So he took up a captain coach role up there at Lismore. And that probably was the first time he really wet his teeth in the coaching ranks there, boys. Mm. Now, in 1991, he was appointed head coach of the Illawarra Steelers. And he found immediate success there, winning the club's first ever um, cup. They won the, the pre-season Challenge Cup. So it was a trophy that was uh, much 
revered down there in the, the Illawarra region. He made the finals of the Winfield Cup in 1992 as a coach. They came within an ace of a grand final appearance that year when he was awarded Daly M Coach of the Year in 1992. Boys, you would have um, played against him like, for sure as a coach. Yeah, so well, I made my debut in 87 against an Illawarra team, but that, sorry, it's not about me. I chalked that one up for me. <laughs> but in, in 91, yeah. They, fair, I, think that, I think that's the first one today. Yeah, well, give me time. We've got a bit of time to go left in the show. But yeah, they, they, were a <laughs> they were a well-drilled side. And yes, that's where he cut his tooth as a coach, chaps. And he probably didn't have the cattle at the time, which even shows even more why he was a good coach to have them as a winning football team at that time. Yeah, true, mate. Um, and while he was at uh, the Illawarra Steelers down there, mate, he had a good record. 51 wins, 39 losses, five draws. So uh, he'll be remembered for a long time in that region, no doubt about it. Took up a role as the coach of Hunter Mariners in the Super League days. And Newcastle public really did take to that. They were really ARL staunch. So even though he had a bit of success there, uh, it was um, it was a bit of a tricky time that the, the public turned on the team a little bit up there. So he finished up uh, popping over to England where he had probably his most success, boys. He, he left Australia without a team, ended up joining the Leeds Rhinos in the English Super League, directing them to the 1998 grand final loss to Wigan Warriors and 99 Challenge Cup victory, which um, he held dearly. I've seen a video of his wife spoke about how much of a great time it was for the family over there. And he went over there prior to being married on a tour of Wembley. And he said to himself, made a little personal note, oh, I want to be a part of this. I want to have success at this ground. And lucky enough, he did. He got to win a Challenge Cup there, boys. Well, I can, I can vouch for, for that, chaps, because I was over there at the time playing for Sal, the Salford team. And I actually got there at 98, the same time Muzz got there at Leeds. And, uh, went through that, you know, that emotion uh, with Muzz. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, he was at Leeds and having a lot of success there. And uh, the Challenge Cup, in terms of a competition over there, they hold it very highly, the fans and the clubs and the players. They're so passionate about that that championship. It's a midweek competition. And, uh, they, you know, it's probably more prestige to win the Challenge Cup than what it is to win the normal premiership. So, you know, and Muzzers uh, can hold, you know, he held that trophy up uh, at Wembley. I suppose it can be compared yeah, to like, the, the FA Cup in the in the soccer, but it's, that's the, exactly the iconic thing to win. And I did watch that video where uh, Amanda spoke about her, her late husband and it was a real eye-opener. The, the, she just said it was, there's nothing else like it. She said it was sensational. They love their time at Leeds. They love the people and they just love the way. It reminded me a bit of the Rabbitohs about how the fans are just fanatical and they the way they support the club is, has to be seen. And hopefully we can, we'll get Jace Clark on soon. We, now that we're doing this Zoom stuff, we're going to get Jace on hopefully to have a bit of a chat with us and he can fill us in on how the modern, you know, they're, how they're going over there now, the Leeds Rhinos. It's just a, it's yeah. amazing over there, the, the, the passion the fans have for their club. And like you said, Mavo, it reminds us so much of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They put, you know, uh, over there, you know, their, their wages aren't so high. And, and some people put all their, you know, all their um, savings into a, a membership to go to the game every week. 
and they're just so passionate, especially up north around Leeds, Bradford, you know, the St. Helens, Wigan, um, you know, and like you said, you can ask Clarkie, you can ask anybody that's gone over there to play. Even Mavo, when we went and played in in 91 for a second division club, how passionate they are. They, they just they just love the game of rugby league over there. And, you know, a crowd of 2,000, you play in front of, say, 2,000, 3,000 people. It's like 20,000 people, the, the amount of noise that they make. They sing songs, they cheer. So, you know, they love Muzz over there. And hmm. uh, I remember playing against them at, um, at Ellen Road there. And, yeah, you know, they just loved him. So, All right, boys, he ended up having a good record there. He won 43 games and lost 15 in one draw. So that's a fantastic record to boast in such a short period of time. What were you going to say there, Mava? I'll say, we're just going to say then he he spent some time when he came home with the Bears, but then he ended up at the Chooks with the Evil Empire. And you spoke to your mate Toddy Byrne and got some thoughts on Muzz. Yeah, Todd's a, um, a childhood friend there with me and my brother Miles and a lot of the boys at Maroubra. And Toddy sort of went over there on a bit of a um, women of prayer, just on a trial contract. And uh, reserve rugby coach then was Arthur Katunas. And Graham Murray and Arthur Katunas saw something in Toddy. Um, that, that he had a pretty strong fend on him. Uh, and he was quite quick, Toddy. And uh, they ended up being part of signing him up, Graham and Artie. So, and he also said Arthur also gave the booze to young blokes like Chris Flannery, Mick Crocker, who played for the Rabbitohs eventually. Um, Anthony Minicello, Dean Witters, who went up with the Rabbitohs as well. So he, he sort of was part of building that really strong Chooks team in the early 2000s. And he, I asked him what sort of bloke was he and what sort of coach. And he said, look, he was a really relaxed guy, Graham. And that's, just, that's the sort of coach he was too, quite relaxed. There was no stress in it. It was just all about playing for each other and believing in each other. So uh, thanks, Todd, for those little sentiments on Graham. And, and most people, all the tributes that I've seen on him, were, they sort of say the same thing. Boys. Just on that, chaps, so, uh, going back to the Roosters, uh, a lot of reports that, like you just said, he put them great systems in place and then all of a sudden he was ushered out of the door and Ricky Stewart comes in and wins the grand final the year later. So um, a lot of that credit would have to go down to Graham Murray for that competition that they did win. Oh, for sure. Ricky hasn't won a comp since, so yeah. there you go. Um, <laughs> He's lost a lot of supporters. <laughs> nothing against nothing against you, Rick. Um, anyway, he found an opportunity up at the Cowboys, mate, um, after Murray Hurst was sacked in 2002. And he finished up finished up um, being part of getting them to their first semi-final series, boys. And, and I know that was a big deal up there in North Queensland. It was a rugby league mad town. And I think it was 2004 he got him in that um, grand final. Uh, he also got him into the, the grand final, that famous grand final in... Uh, 2005 boys were made famous by our own Benji Marshall's flick pass to Paddy Richards. Yes, so I think 2004 he got him, he got the Cowboys to their first prelim, which is huge. We've been in the last three, heartbreakingly. But so yes, he got he bought success, and that's what he's sort of remembered for as the Cowboys coach. A lot of people don't remember all this other star-studded career he's had, but yes, that incredible grand final when Benji did the iconic flick to Pat Richards. And Pat Richards. And then we, we call him Benji Hong Ha Marshall because he's still doing it at the Rabbitohs, playing all those different roles. And Brad Ryder, who did really well to put all this together because he, he loves Graham Murray and he made sure he got us heaps of info. That's why it's going for a little bit longer, but we're enjoying it. And, yeah, that grand final was the, no. the turning point. And the Cowboys, have to you know, they, they didn't win that one, but 
fast forward to 2015 and they finally got the chocolates, I think it was. Well, he, he would have helped um, coach a young Jonathan Thurston. I, can, I bet you if you asked Jonathan Thurston, he'd say some, that he helped shape his career as well. Don't forget, he only just went up there as a, a skinny little 18, 19-year-old for that GF. Um, yeah, boys. And also, this is how much of an impact he's had in North Queensland. They just um, opened up a new stadium last year, if you remember. Um, the address of that stadium is 1 Graham Murray Street. So he's got a street named after him that leads up to the ground there. So he'll be remembered in, in that town for, for eternity, boys. What an impact he's had on so many people and in the game of rugby league. And that just proves how important he is to have a street named after him. Yes, it is. Yeah, and um, he was also a coach of the New South Wales Blues. Um, over. He was. He coached the Blues and he also coached the Gillaroos. You mentioned that before. And we've had Tasha Gale on. And if you haven't listened to that one, please go back. So Tasha would know no muzz. But, yeah, so he's... Uh, Graham is survived by his wife, Amanda, and daughter, Cara. And just a quote that Amanda said on the video when she was talking to the Leeds guy, she said, Graham had this wonderful way of touching people, making people feel included and part of it. So I don't know anyone who didn't like Graham, and you know, it's a sad, sadly that, that, he, that he ended up passing away from heart failure at the age of 58. So rest in peace, Graham Murray, another fitting remembering a rabbit over. All right, uh, let's. Let, what are we on to now? NRL News, Brownie, straight into it. NRL News brought to you by NG Farrow Real Estate. Similar to what we're doing today, boys. A lot of the the auctions are done over Zoom in today's society. And Glenn Farrow himself, they conduct their auctions from their boardroom with all the interested parties that intend on bidding over the Zoom and. Sometimes they've got over 40 people on Zoom watching uh, the auction, the live auction, and it's been a great success for them. And that's just uh, the way um, things have to be done today, similar to what we're doing. And yeah, if you're interested in selling, the market's still very, very strong. Make sure you give Glenn Farrow a call on 0418 252 825. Just on Fats, we did an episode with Fats and the Bomber in it. and. As I've been going back through all our old episodes and putting the full episodes on our YouTube, and I'm also going and getting all the interviews, and one of them is with Fats, and the other one is with the Bomber. So you can expect to see that on our YouTube channel, and we'll share that once it gets up. Hilton Thomas. Hilton the Bomber. He loves the show. He's a huge fan. My Mrs. sees him all the time. We had him on, we had him on a little Zoom call the other day, Brownie. He loves it, doesn't yeah. he? Yes. yes, he certainly does. And uh, another fanatical fan. And- that takes us back to the new segment that we're we'll produ- will be producing over the next few weeks, my Owen. Now uh, that's talking to all the fanatical fans. It is, yes. So uh, our first one. Well, we, we we don't want to reveal too many, but we've got a lot of fans that will come on. One of them is we mentioned earlier, Scotty Singles, who's Zoom ready. So if you're watching this and you're Zoom ready, send us a a message and we'll get you on. We'll get a couple on a week and we'll do maybe a fanatical fan Friday or whatever because we want to produce more content for the show and selected segments for our podcast channel so yeah and all right we'll roll into the nrl news which is the moses Suley falcon i only put the telly on this morning i didn't see it the game but i turned it on and so canberra's put the kick up williams has put the kick up and ruben garrick is filling in at fullback he's no tommy turbo he didn't want nothing to do with the kick which is his ball 
So he just stands back and poor old Moses Suley didn't want nothing to do with it either. He's trying to mind his own business. The ball hits him on the head and just bobbles through and, and the Canberra player, Sebastian uh, Suri, comes through and just scores the easiest try. <laughs> Sebastian Chris, yeah. Awesome. It was a great, it was actually, a, it was an interesting game to watch. I, I thought Manly would have given it to him. You know, Raiders aren't in great form, but the, the, the match sort of, the match turned when he's a bit of a Damien Cook lookalike, the little hooker from Canberra who come on off the bench. He just did a, um, turn the game with a bit of blistering speed out from dummy half, scored under the post. Was that Starling? Starling, he's so quick. Mm. Once they once they push him in a hooker and put um, uh, Josh Hodgson out to in the halves, it, it, all, it all sort of it was a pretty basic game plan. They were turning the ball underneath a fair bit, but they 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 completed ninety percent Brownie, and that was a that was the key to victory there. They end up um, being in control of most of that match, to be honest. Well, as we talk about all the time, that stat is probably one of the most important stats in the game. And if you're completing at a high level, around ninety percent. You're going to be in the competition for a long way because uh, you're hanging on to the ball. You're going to put yourself in good field position. And, um, you know, that's one stat that I always concentrate on. And, um, you know, that's uh, a stat that if you're very high, you're going to be successful. But just in uh, terms of the Manly Sea Eagles team, I've seen a post on social media yesterday. Uh, it was a picture of the uh, Manly, Manly team photo. And there was only one player in it. Tommy Turbo. Tommy Turbo. Yeah, well, I was going to say that, <laughs> yeah, that, that result yesterday just drives home the fact that how important that megastar is to that team. And I was also oh. the $10 million man, the halfback that always, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, I'll, put it down, I'll put it down to that because they did win the other day without Tommy Turbo. They had a really good win. I can't remember who it was against. Mm. But when Turbo... And Daly Chevens are both out. They they lose a little bit of direction. They had, um, I think Dylan Walker was playing seven. Mm. You know, he's not a natural seven. So, you know, they, they looked a little bit lost in attack. And, you know, full credit to the Canberra Raiders. They, they come up, uh, I think it was held at Brookvale over, was it? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah look, mainly yeah, it was a bro- they're, they're a real dark horse in this competition. Look at how good they've been going. So everyone's talking about us and the other two that we've mentioned before, the Storm and the Panthers, but the way they've been going, they they're going to be hard to beat, especially with. That's why it was that's why it was a big result for us um, that night because it just puts Manly down a little peg, and also it just helps us with the for and against and all that. And you're gonna you're gonna get a team like Canberra if they can. That was sort of one of the Premiership favourites coming in. I think Peter Sterling had him in the grand final before a ball was kicked. So. They, they could end up being a real ally of ours and knocking over a few teams on the way to the semifinals and, and, and sort of set us up. So thank yeah. you very much to the Canberra Raiders. You might help us a little bit more going forward. Just on Tommy yeah. before we move on, he's going to figure heavily in our competition for first try score at the end of the match because he has lit up this Origin Series. He's one of the reasons we are up, we are up 2-0 because he can play. And, yeah, it's pretty satisfying that our side has come together like it has. Latrell... Teddy, Tommy, Cameron, Cookie. Looking forward to Wednesday night. And we, we'll just have a quick chat. What are your thoughts, boys? How, how do you think we're going to go now? Like, they've lost Joy Arrow. They brought in a couple of big names, as in the Hammer. Hammer so in the centres and Kalen Ponga, the superstar's back. So, Brownie, I think you're expecting it to be a little bit tighter than some think. Well, that was with Joy Arrow in the team. Uh, you know, it's... It's probably changed my thoughts 
a little about um, you know the, the result. But look, I think Queensland are going to be they're going to be more competitive than what they have been in the last two games. And that man you just mentioned, Kalen Ponga, he's going to have a big influence on that result. I think New South Wales will still win the game. I think they'll still dominate the game. But I don't think it will be as blown out as what the last two games were. I think they'll be, um, you know, a little bit more close to the scoreline. I did say 1-12, to 12, but I might have changed my mind now to 13+. plus. But I don't think it'll be much past, much, much past the 13-plus margin. I don't think it'll be a big blowout. New South Wales to win. I'll go with the Fox to score the first try. Um, and I did say Yayo to, uh, to win men of the match. Isaiah, yeah, when you can't change from 1 to 12, mate, it's locked in in the podcast listeners group. There's no edit. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's yeah, I, I, think, I think we're going to give it to them. Look, you, just think about this one matchup, boys. I want you to think about this one. Tommy Turbo up against Habasai Tabio Fado. That is a mismatch of gigantic proportions. That, that, might, that might just give us three or four tries there, just that matchup alone. Tommy Turbo up against him, let alone what Latrell's going to do on the other side of the field. Uh, boys, I, I, think, I think it'll be at least 20. There'll be a 20-point margin minimum between this mob, these two teams again. Just in that matchup, uh, chaps, and you mentioned uh, Tommy Turbo and what he did to the other centres, um, you know, in, in the last two games. Is he going to get as clean a ball as what he got off Luai and Cleary off Whiten and Moses? Yeah, I think he will. Like, I mean, I like, I like the inclusion of Dale Finnecane, mate. Like, why not? Imagine having him in there. He, the first 10, 20 minutes of the game, doing the tough carries along with Junior Paulo. You've got Tariq Sims. You've got some big boppers coming off the bench, Payne Haas, um, Angus Crichton. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they use Apposite Coruscant, our former grand final winning um, hooker. So... No, I reckon it's a big. I reckon it's a big ups again in New South Wales, and it's going to be a pretty similar result. I think so, mate. Like, okay, they've got Carlin Ponga. They're bringing in one superstar. We've got about four, and everyone else, like you said, so they're not going to get near us. Cam Murray, mate. Cam Murray, there. And so, well, just before we go to the Bulldogs clash, just a bit of breaking news. There's a photo circulating of Natalie Portman, Hollywood actress. We've I've seen that. Yeah, with Borat. Sasha Baron Cohen, and she's wearing a South hat. So we're everywhere across the globe. That photo's going around the globe. What an iconic brand we are. We are the pride of the league. We are the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and every other club isn't. So, chaps. Don't be surprised the jumper at Wimbledon tonight. Yeah, yep. no, that's right. Random Rabbitoh in the crowd. So next Sunday at this stage, uh, the 18th at 6.15, at Stadium Australia with the question mark on the venue. Boys, uh, again, on paper, it looks like a mismatch. We, we, whether we rest players or not, I, I can't see any, any other result than a than a, a pretty solid victory to the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. As we wrap this one up, boys. You know what I, I would like to see? Us coming up against the last start Bulldogs winning team because you know who they play? Mm. Roosters. The Roosters. Yes, so <laughs> I will be cheering for the doggies because, as we always say, our South victory and a Roosters loss makes it a good weekend. However, having looked at the sides, and I just want to clear up something I said last week. We talked about the 2014 grand final and how the hooker situation was that we lost 
Isaac and they lost Ennis and we had Appy come in. And I said it might have been Lisha. It was actually Moses Mbai who came in. And chaps, you remember he did some sort of Cumberland throw on one of our players. And he did not perform as well as what Appy did for us. And the rest is history. So just clearing that up. But yes, I've had a look at the dogs. They've only won two games this season. Their defence is dreadful. They've got the worst percentage in the game. They can't score. So I expect us to win by a good score. And maybe we might be able to blood a few young players like your Davey Mawalis. There's a big chance that Davey Mawali might get his opportunity. Um, We haven't seen the charge sheet from yesterday's game, but I believe Liam Knight might be in a little bit of strife um, in saying that. You know, Cameron Murray might be arrested. We just don't know what's going to happen over the next 24 to 48 hours. And then obviously on Wednesday night from Origin. So, look, we've all spoke about David Mowali. We speak about him nearly just about every week. And uh, he's the next player on the rise that's going to get his opportunity. And, and really looking forward to that if he does. But in saying that, Mavo, exactly, I'm just um, saying what you said in terms of their worst defence, their worst attacking team in the NRL. And I cannot see them scoring many points against us at all. Yeah, if we get our defence right, it's going to get ugly for them. And I remember that after that game two, Wayne decided to rest um, Cam Murray, Joe Arrow and Damian Cook. And, and now that now it might be an opportunity to rest um, Latrell, give him a spell because he played that game against Newcastle. We've got Taffy. We've seen what he can do. He looks like a, a, a bundle of energy and he can do it all. Peter Mamazoulis can step in there. Uh, we've got you know, Hame Sele did a good job last night. Might be an opportunity to freshen them blokes up against a lesser opposition. And that might pay dividends at the back end of the season, boys. Um, as the master coach, Wayne Bennett, you know, is a bit like Tommy Smith, the old horse race trainer. He gets them right ready for that grand final day. So let, let's hope we're just, just running on out young there first weekend of just on October. Young blokes performing last night. I just hope that silence silences a few critics. That uh, about the club and and the, the future of our our club. Obviously, we would have loved to have kept Adam Reynolds. Uh, he's moving on to the Broncos now, but it just proves that our coaching staff has got confidence in our youth coming through and, and our development uh, with our systems. So yeah, look, really happy that them boys performed last night uh, when they got the opportunity, and, and there's so many more that will get the opportunity in the next coming weeks. And I just had a look. I was just going to say, look, we are supremely confident. And but we can't take anyone lightly. The doggy's always up for the game against the bunnies. Everyone is. But we are a five favourite, so it's, we're pretty short. And they're $8.50 at the moment with the tab. But it was good to see Wayne healthy. He was tucking into a bit of chicken wing after the, they showed it on the football. <laughs> I, don't think it was, I don't think it was a grapper, chaps. But uh, uh, yeah. I didn't Certainly didn't have grapper written all over it, that's for sure, boys. No, might, it might have been, it might, it might be a grapper at Merriweather. Oh, I look like a big, look like a big rib, mate. Completely one of those. That's one of your spots big... up there, surfing spots, chaps up there, Merriweather. Good spot there, mate. One of the great beaches in Australia, no doubt about it. A little rip bowl in that south corner, just in front of the surf club. Yeah, you get a great wave there, mate. So, uh, and just a shout out just to about all it, the, boys? Uh, South Sydney supporters that were up at the. Newcastle game last night. Yeah, Kieran Macklin was sending me texts. Um, him and the family got out there and he sat right in behind John Sutton. He said, he said, geez, what a big man he is. 
I said, yeah, sure. Say hello to him for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, big uh, big surprise next week. We might have uh, the big man himself on our show. Yes, we should. So we'll wrap it up, boys. To everyone out there, please stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay home. Look after your family and your friends. And send us a message. And rate and review this show. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll catch you next week for another Rabbitohs Radio podcast. And go sure the mighty rabbit eyes. Make sure you tune in to the top four podcast too, boys. Fantastic podcast. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. Hello. Hang on a sec. Before we oh, go. The beanies. We might have something special for you, rabbit eyes listeners. Hey. The rabbit eyes Hey, beanies. the beanies have arrived. The other one. So, oh, gee, they look all right too. Let's have a look at this. Oh wow, they look unreal. Yeah, there you go. Does it get the red? I know top? this is not this is not this is not great podcasting, but uh, you probably can't uh, see. But yeah, this uh, great red and green uh, Rabbitohs podcast beanie there. Um, yeah. They look good on um, the top four podcast boys. Hello, Shannon Donato and our media manager wow. Jeremy Monaghan. We might yeah, just send good. a couple over to the boys over there. Yep, yep. So make sure you listen to the top four because they did another good show during the week, and I don't know if they've got any Chica. top. Dicker Carroll was on. He's a he's a champion guy. He was trying to back up Shannon and but um yeah, so I don't think they've got a top four beanie. They should have because it's a good show. They do, they cover some great topics and and they're they're a good sister show to us. We can work. They look good then, beanies. They do. So red and green, eh? Look at that. And that was why. And what about yeah, he, he liked the rabbitos because of these colours. You know what I mean? Because he likes <laughs> yeah. it was good enough. So <laughs> All right. Take it away, Maroon. There you go. Thanks for listening to Rabbitohs Radio Podcast, proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if it's Aussie for travel?